Welcome back to the FKT Podcast. I'm your host, Heather Anderson. Today, we're catching up with Cal Schwartzentruber, who holds the overall and unsupported FKTs on the Sheltoe Trace in Kentucky. Join us to learn about what it's like to set a first-time FKT on the heels of a six-month thru-hike, as well as the unique challenges of autumn leaves and rural dogs. Thank you, Cal, so much for coming on the show today to talk about the Sheltoe Trace. I'm really yeah, excited. Yeah, of course. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So the first thing I want to start with is I'm sure this trail in Kentucky is not super well known. I know about it, but a lot of people don't. So I'm kind of curious, how familiar were you with the route before you set this FKT? I was quite familiar with it, actually. I'm from Kentucky. I'm from not too far away from the Sheltoy Trace. So, And the Red River Gorge there, which the Sheltoy Trace passes through, is kind of where I learn to backpack. And that was where I grew up going. And so it was something I was familiar with. And uh, when I decided I wanted to try out some long distance backpacking, it was it was close. It was there. It was in my home state. So I was like, let's let's do this one. And so I, I did an attempt in uh, 2019, uh, which I ended up cutting short due to some weather and gear issues. So that was in 2017. And then in, in 2019 is when I when I did the whole thing through. It's a really special place to me, honestly. It was it was where I, I learned to backpack and where I learned how much I love being out there and being from Kentucky and having family in, in the area. It's, you know, it feels like my home trail. So to come back and be able to tackle it as an FKT was a really special thing for me and meant a lot to me personally beyond just doing the FKT to be able to see my progress there. I learned on this trail, you know, the basics and and I attempted a, a through that didn't work out and I was able to come back and conquer it as a full through and then take it to the next level uh, on an FKT level, which was a really special thing. So I had a lot of familiarity with this with this trail before, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is something I think that can't be underestimated, especially in an FKT. Absolutely. If I hadn't kind of known the flow of the trail and kind of what I was looking forward to and what I was getting myself into, I know I would have had a lot more difficulty on, on the FKT level. Like if I hadn't done it before, probably wouldn't have been able to complete it on an FKT level. But um, having that familiarity was was really important and a huge asset for sure. So speaking of, you know, maybe this familiarity being such an assist, can you talk about some of those challenges on the route that uh, you're referencing that you know, would have possibly been hindrances if you hadn't been out there before. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think a big thing navigation wise, like I, I didn't have to deal with a ton of navigation issues because there is a far out map for the Shell Toy Trace, but it is brand new, like just a, a month or two old at the time of the FKT. So very much kind of an untested thing at this point. Um, there's not a lot of assistance on there. And prior to doing it this time, I'd done it with paper maps. Uh, so having known what was up ahead in the times where far out wasn't super clear or, you know, the trail was, uh, I had any questions about that. Like I found that I was getting to intersections and just being like, oh, I remember this intersection. I go this way, you know, and, and not having to stop to figure out, oh, you know, it meant that I could keep in the rhythm and just keep moving and not have to worry about those kinds of navigation issues. I did it run into a couple issues with with that kind of navigation stuff uh, just due to probably the biggest uh, regret I have about this FKT is doing it at the time I did it. It was really beautiful during the peak fall colors, but there were so many spots where leaves were just covering 
everything and could not see where the trail was at all. Like just through all of the the leaf litter and, you know, covering the leaves, covering any rocks or puddles or mud or holes. <laughs> a lot of the trail is shared with, you know, horses, which uh, is great, but they, you know, they they leave their mark on the trail for sure. And Ooh, when you don't know how presents. to avoid kind of how they've torn things up, absolutely. Um, so that was that was a bit frustrating with with the leaves kind of there were a couple times, especially at night in the dark where mm. it it got difficult to see exactly where the trail was. But having the familiarity before and not having to second guess myself on some of the points where it didn't seem like, you know, where it was a little bit unclear uh, which direction the trail uh, was supposed to go. That was a, a huge asset. And I also noticed that the trail is better maintained now than it was a few years ago when I did it. Um, there were some sections that I remembered being just terrible, like going through like super slow going with blowdowns and stuff all over the trail uh, in 2019. But uh, this time around, a lot of those sections that I was worried would slow me down were actually really well maintained. And I thought it was a lot better marked. There were a lot more uh, markers on the on the trees and things to to help with that. So a lot of those issues that I was anticipating having or that I was a little bit worried about from my previous um, through hike were actually turned out to be a non-issue. It was the things I didn't expect. Of course, there were issues. <laughs> That's always the way it is. It's, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear you on the leaves. Like I love autumn and I love autumn hiking, but I mean, even my little local trails where I run and I actually know where all the puddles are yeah always just like right through it you know and i'm just like ah you know because it's just like yep. a smooth pile of leaves and you just totally yep. forget and yep it was beautiful though it's i mean beautiful. It was... and it's so fun to shuffle through the leaves and all the you know and yep. Yep. yep until you like trip over a rock and fall on your face anyway. exactly or horse poo that's pretty rough <laughs> um so i kind of want to i mean you may not know the answer to this but i'm sort of interested about so you said I mean, you were out there in 2017, 2019. It's not that long ago, but you noticed a yeah. significant difference in maintenance and marking. I did. Do you think that that's due to increased popularity of the route because of the Far Out app? Or do you think it's because just the trail organization is just making it more of a priority? I'm kind of curious. Do you, do you have any insight on that at all? Or Yeah, what? I think the trail organization is just becoming a lot more active mm -hmm. um, and a lot more... I think the trail is growing in popularity for sure, but mm -hmm. um, the trail organization uh, has been doing a great job the last couple of years. There have been the length of the trail has changed slightly, mm -hmm. uh, quite a bit over the past decade or so, um, just with them doing doing reroutes, trying to you know make the trail better. So the active trail organization, I think, is the biggest part of why we, I was seeing such a difference. But I think it is increasing in popularity. When I through hiked it in 2019, of course, I took a lot more time than I did on, on the FKT. And mm -hmm. I didn't run into any other through hikers or section hikers mm -hmm. when I was out there. Mm -hmm. um, it was kind of a really personal solitary experience, which was actually really nice, kind of what I was looking for at the time. On the FKT that I just did, I actually ran into two other through hikers when I was out there, which I wasn't expecting, you know, I wasn't out there very long. So, right. <laughs> um, so I wasn't expecting uh, to run into people, but that was actually really nice to see um, some people who uh, knew the trail was there and, and wanted to give it a shot. It, it is a really beautiful trail, um, especially the southern third, uh, southern Kentucky, and, and you get into Big South Fork um, in Kentucky and, and across the border into Tennessee there is just absolutely beautiful. And I think really overlooked, you know, with 
the Appalachian Trail being pretty close. And, you know, the Smokies are pretty close there. And those are the more popular areas. But um, it's a really beautiful part of the country and the region that, you know, doesn't get a lot of attention. So, yeah, but that just makes it more, I think, personal and special to me. You know, this Mm -hmm. is my home trail. And the fact that I can go experience this thing that not a lot of people get to experience and then get to tell people, you know, other hiking friends or outdoorsy friends about, Oh, you want to know like a hidden gem? Here it is. You know, like this is a really cool spot. So yeah, yeah, it's definitely it's been on my list for several years now. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it was kind of fun to like read your trip report and see your pictures and and, and (laughs) like definitely kind of move it up a little bit on my priority list of trails to explore. So yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. I did want to ask you actually about the distance because I noticed that when Mm -hmm. I was researching the trail for this interview, the length has been steadily growing and by a lot. So Mm -hmm. in 2019, it was 333 miles. And what is it now? And how much did you hike? What was your- Yeah, it's 343 miles at the moment okay. um, is the official length. So when I hiked it in 2019, it was 323. That year it did switch to oh, okay. 333. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the reroutes have been, I think the biggest thing was extending it into Big South Fork in Tennessee. There are so many amazing trails there that are just there to hike. And it kind of was uh, Kentucky's trail. And it still is Kentucky's longest trail but it ends in big south fork and there's so much there like i think the trail organization was just wanting to extend it and just uh offer more from this trail i know that there's a plan to extend it another 11 miles i believe in big south fork that's been delayed a little bit i believe Um, i'm not in the know on on all the plans for the trail but a lot of the extensions uh are Really just to make it a more, from what I've seen, to make it, first of all, uh, a better trail, easier to maintain on more public land and stuff like that, but to offer more from the trail. There's a lot of places that it could extend to or touch. And um, so I don't know what the end goal is there uh, for for the trace, but uh, I didn't notice a huge difference between you know the extra 20 miles from when I did it in 2019 versus this uh, FKT. So I'm interested though, with, uh, as far as recording the FKTs, a lot of the, uh, FKTs on the site were set when it was a little bit shorter. And I know slight length distinctions are not super uncommon with trails, of course, but, uh, we'll see, you know, if this trail gets a lot longer, I don't know what the end goal is for them, but that definitely makes a difference when it comes to recording times and, you know, having a fairness between a standard route changing so often um, make does make a huge difference. So it's interesting. I think it's got uh, definitely it's it's a trail that's on the on the up and up here as far as maintenance and them taking care of it. And uh, obviously the changes in length, while, you know, we can guess what's going to happen there, we could talk to the trail organization about that as well. But I think it shows a lot of like intention and care for the trail, uh, just people out there wanting to make it better and recognizing that this is a really beautiful thing that could be even better and better. And um, hopefully that means it gets a little bit more attention. I'd love to be able to share experiences about this trail with people and, and talk to people about it who've done it. And so I, I think it's a good thing what's going on with the trail as far as the lengths changing. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it how it ends up. I don't know what their end goal is, but I'm I'm happy with the trail as yeah. it is right now. So hopefully, hopefully the extensions are what they're doing. Just make it a better experience. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I do think like when I was looking at that, it, it made it 
all the more interesting to me. And like you set an unsupported record, but you also set the overall record and it's longer, you know? And so I, that's a, that's a really impressive feat and um, definitely worth noting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm not really an ultra runner. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm a through hiker first and foremost, you know, that's kind of what I, that's, that's the vein that I'm coming at this from, you know, that's, that's my perspective on this. And um, I think as a through hiker doing something like this in a, you know, a supported manner would it just it wouldn't feel right. And unsupported, I think, is something that I wanted to do something that that I uniquely could do and with my background. And um, there are a lot of FKT people that come at, you know, a trail that's 343 miles is kind of in that in between zone of like, you know, it can be done unsupported, but it's a very different thing than doing it supported or self-supported um, when it's at that length. And uh, not a lot of people want to do that, right. you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I wanted to set an FKT that I felt like filled a niche that I could fill with my experience and skills and background. And uh, uh, I'm really proud of, uh, you know, the accomplishment um, there that, that I was able to put down a time that's competitive in these other categories as well. Um, that's, you know, that's not lost on me. And I'm, I'm really proud of it. Although I do think that with more attention, uh, you know, this was this was my first FKT attempt at all. And, um, you know, there are a lot of things that until you get out there and do it, you just don't know what to expect or how to handle certain situations. And um, now looking back on it, you know, with hindsight, I'm really proud of the time that I set. But now looking back on it, I know, oh, I could have done this different if I were to do it again. I'm a, I would do this or I would do that. And I know there's a lot of room to improve the times on this trail. Jason Wish, who held the record, uh, the unsupported FKT before I did, he's been looking at doing a supported FKT on it. He just did an attempt. And I unfortunately, I don't think it was successful due to some uh, weather and I think he had issues with his ankle. But there are people who are who see that, oh, wow, these times, there's a lot of room to grow here. You know, this trail is getting a little bit more attention. So hopefully someone will come out there and challenge my time. <laughs> I, I hope so. I know there's a lot of room for, for growth there. And there's so many ways that that things could be, you know, pushed a little bit further there. And right. I, I'd love to I'd love to talk to some people who want to push some boundaries on this trail. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we'll have to schedule a separate conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> so can you maybe elucidate a little bit? What are some of the things you would do differently out there? Absolutely. Well, I think I, I mentioned the timing. I think I, I actually hit an amazing weather window. I had definitely had some cold at the beginning. So I packed a little bit more layers that I was hoping I would need to, but didn't have any precipitation issues, which was a huge plus for, you know, just not having to deal with that was amazing. But as far as timing, I just happened to hit right when all the leaves fell. And, and that was, you know, especially at night, you know, it was hard to move consistently when I was having to be really careful where I was stepping. There are some sections that have some really rocky trail. This trail is known for its unique geology, just where it is. There's lots of cliffs and overhangs and natural bridges and all these different things that are super cool, but it means that some of the trail can be a little bit rocky. So with the leaves, that was definitely, if I were to do it again, I would do that a little bit differently. I also, not having done an FKT like this before, uh, wasn't sure what to expect uh, mentally. Like, how do I push past mental struggles. And I definitely had some low points where it was like, oh, I have not had enough sleep. I am tired. How do I push through this? And that definitely took some learning there of, okay, yesterday, this is how it went. I, I 
didn't really push through the way that I wanted to? How can I change my mindset today? How can I keep my spirits up and uh, be able to push through fatigue and uh, lack of sleep to accomplish something here? And um, I think I learned a lot just mentally how to approach those things that if I were to do it again, now I have those skills to be able to tackle that a little bit better and push through and be more consistent with uh, pacing and and all that good stuff. That's definitely something I would I would hopefully be able to do a little bit different. And lastly, I use a pretty minimalist shoe. I was hiking with Ultra Superiors, which is a Ooh. controversial decision. Um, <laughs> My feet are hurting I, for you. <laughs> <laughs> that's what, uh, you know, I get that reaction from a lot of people. Um, I through hiked the PCT in them and actually never had any issues. I, I really liked because being the PCT rock feel the trail a little more. Yes, exactly. But there's some road walking on the Sheltoy Trace and, yeah. and some rocks and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And um, I didn't want to try out a new kind of shoe before of launching into this. And so I made the decision to just go ahead with superiors. Um, if I were to do it again, I would absolutely change up the shoe mm-hmm. situation because I had some serious issues with my feet and um, mm-hmm. to some extent they're still healing a little bit so um, <laughs> so yeah. definitely something I would do different and I think that would feed into you know mentally it's easier to push through when your feet aren't aren't in pain so <laughs> yeah that's like <laughs> those are those are probably the yeah. big things I would do differently yeah I mean that's like one of the number one pieces of advice when people are like you know what's the one piece of advice you'd give you know at a new through hiker or something like that and i'm like if your feet aren't happy you will not be happy like exactly you, whatever you have to do to make your feet happy you must do it yeah <laughs> it doesn't really matter you just because yeah when your feet hurt i, I would say you know that and being hungry like if if you're hungry yeah. mm-hmm. and your feet hurt you are not going to be doing well so yeah you just got to take Absolutely. care of those things <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm happy with how I did with uh, with the hunger on this one. That was Good. another worry of mine, yeah. uh, especially with a 343 mile trail doing unsupported, carrying everything from the beginning. It's kind of hard to estimate over something of that length mm-hmm. what uh, what to carry. So I ended up carrying a little bit too much food. Mm-hmm. But if I had been hungry and my feet had hurt, you know, <laughs> there yeah. could have been so many, you know, and if I had encountered bad weather. So I overall feel pretty lucky with with how things went. But yeah, there are definitely some things I, I would have done differently for sure. Right. So speaking of the weight on your back, I'm kind of curious, like about kind of those nuts and bolts, like how much was your base weight? Yeah. How much did the food weigh? How many calories a day were you ingesting? How many did you plan for? Like all of that. Can you kind of speak to that aspect? Absolutely. Well, I definitely wanted to overdo it on the food rather than underdo it. I did not want to have to run into, you know, being in the last 60 miles and being out of food, you know, right, so right. so I definitely overdid it a little bit. I had about, I, I didn't calculate down to, you know, the number of calories, but around 5,500 to 6,000 calories a day, because doing that many miles, you know, I... I wasn't really sure what I would be what I would be going through. So but I was able to keep my base weight down quite a bit. I had about uh, somewhere around. And again, I I actually try not to record my exact base weight just because I don't want to be one of those people. But (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I it was around six pounds was was what my, you know, base weight besides the food was but in the end my pack starting out was approaching 30 pounds in like the 27 to 30 pound range with with all the food um so and i had about 
six pounds, five or six pounds of food left over at the end. So um, definitely, you know, there's something I could have done different as well that, you know, looking back, I'd rather have too much than too little, but um, it's, you know, one of those things. Uh, I was a little bit worried about the weight at the beginning because um, it's just not a weight that I'm used to. Um, I just came off the PCT this summer and of course, my base weight was not that low on the PCT, right. but, um, you know, it doesn't need to be, um, right. I wanted a little bit more, um, but still not used to carrying, uh, you know, a, a pack that's approaching 30 pounds. Right. So, yeah. um, but I was, I was pretty proud of, uh, you know, I, I thought that would cause more issues and I was, I was pretty proud of how I was able to handle that, uh, having a little bit heavier pack than I was used to, um, I was able to take a heavy pack out, you know, for some uh, shakedown hikes uh, in the Red River Gorge. And that was actually something I was worried about that would be an issue didn't end up being all that much of an issue. So too much food, but overall, I'm, I'm pretty happy with what I carried. Yeah. So you kind of just mentioned this, which is a great segue into my next question. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a tandem question. You were on the PCT this summer. And so yeah. essentially you came off of, I mean... I think you said in your thing about a six month hiking journey on the PCT into this FKT. And so I have kind of a two part question. Mm -hmm. Number one, how did having that experience prior um, help or hinder mm -hmm. going into an FKT? And also, yeah. like, I want to talk a little bit about the mindset of that, too, because going from, you know, the PCT to a completely mm -hmm. unsupported FKT, I mean, there's a... Yeah. a a mindset shift there. So definitely, can you absolutely talk a little bit about that juxtaposition and like the differences there and how it impacted your hike. For sure. Yeah. Um, I think the main thing is just, uh, honestly, the biggest difference is the social aspect. Just doing an FKT is a solo thing. That's something that, you know, that's, but that's by yourself, especially unsupported there. It doesn't get more solo than that, you know? Um, so I think that was the biggest thing. Um, but even on the PCT, I tended to do more miles than most people would do. And I was lucky enough to have a crew, um, that shared my pace and kind of, uh, also wanted to push things. So it was never something where, um, you know, it, it wasn't as big a shift as I think you would think it was. Um, uh, I obviously was not doing that big of miles on the PCT, uh, but still like through hiking and, and being on the PCT, um, even, you know, in, in that zone, I had the mindset of, I just like getting to the end of the day and, and feeling accomplished of, yeah, I, I, I did good and I pushed myself and, uh, and it was a good day. And, uh, I had a really good time doing that with an amazing crew of people on the PCT this year who had that similar mindset. So, it was mainly just the the social part of, of doing it on my own, but I had done the shell toy trace on my own before and didn't run into any other through hikers. So being in that particular space by myself, while a transition from the PCT for sure, um, wasn't as big a transition as, as I thought it would be. I think the biggest thing was just not having the ability to uh, rest when I feel like I needed to rest and, uh, you know, having to do that many miles a day takes a lot more intention than, you know, on the PCT. Yeah. Some days I wake up and end up doing a lot of miles and some days I wake up and start doing a lot of miles and go, you know what, today is just not the day and I'm not going to do that. So, right, right. <laughs> um, and obviously on an FKT, that's not a choice I can make. I have to keep pushing. Um, so that was, I think the biggest thing, the biggest difference there, just having that, own like self-motivation to to keep going rather than uh 
it's a lot less going with the flow like a, a through hike is, you know, figuring things out as you go. There's more, oh, I have to get to this point so that I can set myself up well for tomorrow, so I can set myself up well for the next day and so on and so forth um, to get, a, you know, a good time that I can be proud of. So um, honestly, not a huge, you know, shift in 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 mindset really just a shift in in atmosphere mm -hmm. um that that took some adjusting okay what about the the physicality of it like i mean i don't know after hiking a whole like 2600 miles and then just like launching into a, an unsupported fkt like did you give yourself like a physical rest like because i know for me when i get done walking 2600 miles i'm tired <laughs> like yeah you know, so i'm just i'm curious absolutely. about that like just that transition absolutely I had about two weeks in between getting off the PCT and doing the shell toy. Um, and in that two weeks, I tried to, I was running a little bit and, and doing a little bit of walking and a shakedown hike, but I wasn't, I was intentionally not overexerting myself. I really just wanted to stay limber and loose um, to be able to tackle, uh, you know, an FKT. Um, but uh, it wasn't something that, you know, I got off the PCT and was training for. The PCT was training. And when I was on the PCT, I even had this in mind. You know, when I started the PCT, I didn't intend to get off and go do, you know, an FKT attempt. But when I was on the PCT and I was out there for a little while and my body got into through hiking shape, I was like, oh, wow, that's something that I might be able to do that you know, I hadn't really considered before, like, that would be awesome to be able to go back to my home trail and experience it in this whole new way, and accomplish something um, that I can be proud of. I, you know, and I, I wasn't really sure how it would go. And but uh, physically coming off of a through hike and, and treating through hiking as training in a way, my body was ready, but it, it absolutely did need a little bit of, of rest. And uh, I, I had actually wanted to start the FKT attempt uh, a bit sooner. And I ended up pushing it back a little bit because there was uh, going to be some weather. So that was a little bit unplanned. But I'm I'm actually really glad that that happened. Because having a full two weeks of pretty much all rest, you know, was very, very much needed after coming off, you know, such an intense physical experience, you know, through hiking right. such a long trail this summer. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's interesting because like, I mean, two weeks is a pretty standard taper period for most ultra runners. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, like giving yourself that two week of rest before your event after training. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that seems that seems right and seems natural. It felt good. Yeah. 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 <laughs> was was the PCT, this doesn't have anything to do with the FKT, but was the PCT your first mm -hmm. through hike or had you through hiked before? No, that was my first oh, wow, uh, okay. big through hike like that. Right, so right. I'd done uh, in 2019, I through hiked this trail, the Sheltoy right, Trace. Right. And I'd done some smaller stuff, the UNA High Line, the Wonderland oh, okay. Trail, mm -hmm. and of course, you know, weekend things right. and whatnot. The PCT was always my goal, though, of I just need to get there. In 2020, I had permits. And of course, that didn't work out. Right. So mm -hmm. I'm really glad I got to it eventually. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I really want to get back out there and do uh, do some more, some more through hiking. It was an amazing experience, but yeah, that was, it was my first of the, the big, the big, the big yeah. yeah. I should have mm -hmm. clarified. Was that your first triple crown trail through? Hiking? Yeah. Yeah. It was my first triple crown trail. Mm -hmm. Another thing I kind of want to talk about along these kind of lines of the physicality of the effort is when I was reading your report, basically it seemed like, you know, you were struggling a bit, you're having kind of some rough time and then Essentially, you had this moment, at least this is how it sounded in the report, where you were like, oh, <laughs> if I don't sleep, 
I can set the overall time. And so then you did this 87 <laughs> mile push to the finish with just some dirt yeah. naps. And so I'm kind of curious, like, number one, I, had you done something like that before? And number two, um, how did that go? <laughs> Obviously, you succeeded. Yeah. But, um, like, <laughs> well, it worked out in the end, which I'm very grateful for. Um, it was definitely a push. Um, I hadn't done anything crazy like that before on the PCT. You know, I had done I'd, I'd done some night hiking and um, I always hated night hiking. Not something I would choose to do most of the time, but I'd done some stuff like that. Um, and, you know, some bigger pushes, I guess, but nothing like that um, at all. But it's the kind of thing where, um, you know, when you know, I was I was in a it was a seven and a half day uh, affair and around like day five and six when I was tired and sleep deprived and my feet were really, really giving me issues. Um, and it was really hard to keep consistent and maintain, you know, I was frustrated with the pace, um, that I was setting, like I wasn't moving as quickly and that just fed into, um, you know, not being able to, not being able to keep consistent in the way that I needed to, to make the times that, uh, I had, I had aimed for. And, um, but waking up on day seven, I suppose, um, I just, it just hit me. I was like, wow, I am, I am incredibly close. Um, you know, 87 and a half miles is within sight of the end. And, <laughs> um, and I don't want this effort to go to waste. I want to end this and be able to be proud of what I accomplished and meet goals that I set for myself. Um, I think, uh, you know, if I had finished the trail, but not gotten an FKT, then I would have just been spending the next couple of years thinking, when can I get back out there to do this? Like, I can't, I can't have this thing eating, you know, eating the back of my, the back of my thoughts of like, oh, the Sheltoy Trace is there. And I attempted this and I didn't get it. And that's kind of how it felt when I attempted my first through hike of the Sheltoy and ended up having to cut it short. You know, I went home and I was disappointed and I was like, I know I can do this. I just have to do it. And um, ended up coming back two years later and being able to accomplish it and knowing that now attempting it as an FKT, if I don't get a good time, I'm just going to have to come back and do it again. And right. I don't want to have to do this again, uh -huh. <laughs> especially at the time when my right. mental state was like, I was, I was feeling pretty low and, and my body was hurting. And I was like, I don't want to do this again. What am I thinking? Mm -hmm. I have to do this now. Um, this is my chance and I'm within sight. And, um, you know, I didn't know if I could hike through the night and, uh, do this big mile push all at once. I had no idea if I could do it. Um, but I knew that if I didn't try, if I didn't put everything that I had into this, then I would just be disappointed in myself when it was done. Like if I put everything, all of my effort into this final push and I didn't make it, then at least I can say, I really tried and I put everything that I had into this. And that's something that I can be proud of. So when I woke up on day seven and, and started moving, um, you know, it was, it was difficult to get going, uh, in, in the morning and, and, uh, I started moving and 
I was just thinking if I finish and I still have this mindset that I have now, I'm not going to be happy with myself. So, um, so that was really the, the impetus and the, and the motivation of, you know what, I just need to suck it up and do it and, and do something that I can be proud of. And, um, you know, it, it paid off in the end and <laughs> right. I'm really, really glad it did. And I impressed myself, honestly, with, with my ability to do that. I had no idea, um, that I could, um, I'd also never taken little, you know, dirt naps like right. that before. So that was, that was new of like, Oh, let's, let's, let's try this out. You know, it was a lot of experimentation on this, on this trail. So yeah. a lot of, a lot of learning experiences. And that was definitely one of them. But, uh, now I can look back at that and say, Oh, wow, I, I can do things like this. Mm -hmm. And, um, that's, that's something that I can be, that I can be really proud of. So, um, yeah, it was, it was, I mean, you know, FKTs are so mental, like oh, yeah. it's the, the, the mental part of it, um, it meant so much more than, than the physical part. Like I was worried going into this attempt that physically mm -hmm. I would have issues and, and wouldn't be able to push the way that I wanted to. Um, uh, but coming off of the PCT, you know, my body was in shape and right. I had issues with my feet because of my shoes. Um, but other than that, like my body knew what to do. Mm -hmm. Um, it was more a matter of, uh, mind over body and getting into that headspace of, uh, let's get out here and accomplish something that we can be proud of. So, um, that was kind of, yeah, that was, that was uh, a really difficult push. And, um, you know, when I got to the end and, uh, Burnt Mill Bridge is the Southern terminus there. And that's where I had finished in 2019 and, um, just getting to that spot again and being like, wow, I'm here again. And now I, I accomplished something. And, look at what I just did. Like, I cannot believe that I just right. did this. Like that's, that's insane. So, yeah. um, I'm really glad that it, that it paid off and, um, really proud of, of my time, even though now I'm like, Oh, I could have tweaked this. Right. I could have tweaked this. It yeah. could have been faster. It could definitely be done faster. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was definitely, it was just, it was a mental shift and being able to see the end and mm -hmm. be like, there it is. All I need to do is go for it. Mm -hmm. You know, um, mm -hmm. I don't want to end this hike with anything left in me, right. you know, I want to put it all out there um, so that I can be proud of, of the accomplishment, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that it's in our very nature, uh, people who set FKTs and to some extent through hikers too, like to always look back and be like, oh, I could have done that different, you know, like, I, yeah. I don't think, I don't know, like, I think with all <laughs> FKTers for sure, it's like, yeah. there's never anybody who's like, oh no, it was completely perfect. Everything went right. You know, there's always you know, yeah, the little uh -huh. things. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And too, I think you really like hit the nail on the head here because, it, you know, people ask me questions all the time. And I think that people routinely worry way too much about the physical aspect. Yeah. They're worried their body isn't going to do it. And I mean, Mm -hmm. There is obviously this this difference between your body doing it and your body doing it safely. It's a physical activity. You yeah. know, you know, you can push your body too far, but the reality is like your mm -hmm. mental, your brain to keep you safe, it wants to shut you down way before Absolutely. you're at your Absolutely. edge. And it and that's mm -hmm. really the key. It's like strengthen your mind, like have your solid yeah. why, have your moment where you're like I'm not going to stop until I've put everything yeah. into mm -hmm. this. And if yeah. you have that mental strength, your body will follow along. Like your body can do incredible things, things you had no idea can do. And I think you really yeah. <laughs> touch on that very well here. All right. So this brings me to the, a question that I'm very personally interested in because I have heard two things that have kind of kept me from going out to the Chateau Trace. And they're both about animals, which I love animals. However, I have heard, number one, that 
in the fall, there are major issues with bears in the Daniel okay. Boone. And I have also heard that you have a high likelihood of just being eaten alive by dogs on this trail. So can you speak about <laughs> yeah. animal mm -hmm. encounters, dogs, bears, or otherwise? Absolutely. Absolutely. As far as bears go, uh, I saw some bears on this trail, and they were actually the first bears I had ever seen in Kentucky. Kentucky had very few bears, very low bear population, and it's been bouncing back, which is a really good thing for the environment there, um, for the you know ecology of the region. I mean, bears are an important part of that. Um, I haven't had any issues with bears, uh, and I haven't really heard many people having issues with bears. Um, it's, uh, you know, especially not compared to some other places and the bears in Kentucky are not as adjusted to humans as they are in these more trafficked areas. So that's not something that I think a through hiker would have to worry about any more than a lot of other trails that you would go on. But the Sheltowitch race definitely has this unique problem of dogs, um, which isn't really, I haven't heard of another trail having, having issues like this. I think it's just part of Eastern Kentucky culture. Um, I have family out there. And so I was a little bit more used to being around this and kind of knew what to expect. Um, but people have dogs that they just let run around. And sometimes those dogs uh, hang out with the other dogs that live you know, out in the hollers and form little packs. And sometimes they can be a little bit aggressive. Um, <laughs> so I actually had a run in with uh, some dogs on this trail um, on the FKT attempt. And uh, it was a group of four of them. And a lot of times, like most of the time, the dogs on this trail, it's mostly on the roadwalks that, you know, you're near houses, you're near where these dogs live. And you're somewhat, you know, a, a foreign person walking in front of this dog's house there's no fence. There's nothing keeping it away from you. And it just wants you to leave. So if you, you know, don't turn your back to it and you stand firm, but you back away and are like, hey, I'm just going on my way. Nine out of 10 times, you're going to be fine. Um, there was one dog that came running out barking at me from from one of these houses and uh, gave me a bit of a jump. And uh, I turned to it and I was like, whoa, like stay. And I reached my hand out and it ran up to me and then flipped on its back and had me pet its belly, <laughs> which was like, oh, OK, cool. You know, so, so it's not bark, something. No <laughs> yeah, 100 um, percent. So it's the kind of thing where I think it can be, if you're unfamiliar with it, scarier than it is. Mm -hmm. I think that's the case with a lot of things through hiking. But I did encounter issues with some really aggressive dogs that uh, backed me into um I kind of had to hide behind this thorn thicket and just like wait for them to leave. And at one point when they uh, ran at me, I kind of I had sticks and I was, you know, waving them mm -hmm. off. I don't carry trekking poles, um, but I had picked up some sticks. I hope that's not uh, self-support to, no. to pick up some sticks <laughs> and use them to fight off some dogs. I think, but, I think when dogs um, are attacking, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is definitely a danger. And uh, I have known at least one person who actually got bit by a dog on this trail. Mm -hmm. So um, that's it's kind of uh, it's the kind of thing where you just you have to be wary and every trail is going to have its its dangers. And, um, you know, hiking with another person obviously helps with that, as it would with any kind of animal mm -hmm. danger. Um, uh, they're going to be less likely to. To, to bother you um, and just being really aware on uh, the longer road walks. I think people hear about this trail too and they hear road walks. Oh, that's scary. I don't want to do any road walks. And um, it's really, you know, there aren't, it's not too bad. It's probably about 
60 miles of the 343 mm-hmm. mile trail roundabout just off the top of my head estimate there um so so really not not too much of it and it's split up in some in in different sections but um it's definitely something to be aware of mm-hmm. um it's a something that most through hikers have never had to deal with um mm-hmm. so it's an unknown um but uh you know not something my in my first through I didn't have any issues with it um mm-hmm. and the other hikers that I met on this trail had said oh these dogs you know they'll they'll run up at you but I don't think uh they had to deal with uh talking to them that they had to deal with any issues like that I'm not going to lie that it's not something you have to worry about because it's absolutely something that any hiker on this trail should keep in mind but it's really in just very specific areas where you're walking past houses that are backwoods in the middle of nowhere mm-hmm. um, that just have dogs running around. It's in these very specific areas that if you look into the trail or if you're interested in hiking the trail, that there's a lot of resources of people who've hiked it before <laughs> that have said, oh, in this area, there were dogs. Right. Um, so, but it's not something that, you know, you're on trail, like out in the woods, a dog's going to come attack you. Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. You know, so mm-hmm. um, it's something that you can prepare for just like anything else with wildlife, if you can call it wildlife (laughs) (laughs) yes yeah i mean over the years definitely uh dogs have become my number one like feared animal like because they're the only one i've ever had a bad encounter with you know i've never had bad encounters with bears or snakes or moose or i mean Mm -hmm. slightly moose a moose are kind of scary too but you know (laughs) by and large you know the only you know animal that i have literally had hand-to-hand combat with my poles with has been a dog (laughs) like on a Mm -hmm. roadblock Mm -hmm. you know so it's (laughs) yeah it is like one of those things you know and it's it's definitely not an issue on triple crown trails but definitely some of these no especially for for me it's mostly been roadwalks a lot of them in the southeast you know but also like in the in the desert west and it just seems like it's it's rural Mm -hmm. areas where people don't fence their dogs yeah yeah it can definitely be frightening yeah problem for sure just just an extra little thing to to have in the back of your head yeah i'm hoping that you know the shelter trace association uh as we talked about is becoming a lot more active and is working on improving this trail and in the ways that they can so Mm -hmm. um i know that they know about these dog issues and there are ways that they can help with that um whether it's doing some reroutes i know Mm -hmm. that that they've looked at that stuff in the past uh to go around problem areas or shorten some of these road walks or Mm -hmm. do what they can so i'm hoping that this issue with dogs is not an issue that is always going to be on this trail and i'm hoping that we can uh you know there there are ways that that we can mitigate this a little bit Mm -hmm. so i'm optimistic for what the future of the trail looks like yeah that's awesome. So I kind of want to close out with one last question. You know, as we've talked about, you know, this was your first FKT. So I'm kind of curious, do you think that there will be more in your future? That's a great question um, <laughs> that I've gotten from on. some other people as well. Yeah, um, I I don't know. I don't have any, you know, active plans to, mm-hmm. oh, this is, this is the next thing. And that was something I was thinking about during the FKT as well. Like when I was out there and I was, you know, at a low point and I was like, I'm never doing this again. Like you will not, I'm not setting foot on the shell toy trace ever again in my life. Like I'm not, I'm not doing, why did I sign up to do this FKT thing? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the kind of thing where, yeah, you put in a lot of work and there's a lot of pain and and struggle to get through but the payoff at the end of the accomplishment and being able to put my name on something was definitely made it worth it and you know i think there's a little bit of 
selective memory loss um, about some stuff that that might happen on an FKT attempt. But just proving to myself that I was able to do something like this and being able to look back and say, "Ooh, I could have done this different. I could have done this different. Definitely makes me want to get out there again and and see, okay, how much further can I push this? What am I capable of? What can I do? So not something that I have planned anything in the immediate future. You know, I, I'm still getting over what I just did. Right. So, but definitely, uh, I definitely plan on, uh, you know, that that's in my mind. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Um, I think the higher priority for me is getting back out there on one of the Triple Crown trails mm -hmm. and uh, through hiking more um, because it's an amazing place to be. But uh, the FKT, you know, I it's in my mind now yeah. and it's not yeah. going to go away. Right. So we'll, we'll see. I, I really want to see see what else I can do. Um, uh, but no, yeah. no active ideas okay. at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, selective memory loss is definitely the number one side effect of type two fun. So, um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yep, <laughs> for sure. Yes, it's always the thing that I will never do this again. And within days, you're, you know, oh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, well, thank you so much for coming on the show today and chatting with Absolutely. us. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thanks again, Cal, for coming on the show. You can check out his FKT report on the website, fastestknowntime.com, and follow him on Instagram at T-H-I-K-E-S-H-I-K-E-S. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, this is Heather on the FKT Podcast.